Hey, welcome everybody to Five Pin Universe's 21st podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We have the Wisemans, Dexter and Tim. Adam Weber is out this week. He's sick, a little hoarse, so he will not be uh, joining us. But we got two special guests this week. We have Bradley Tiggett, the 2016 WCBT champion, and Evan Lacousier, 2015 Peace Class Open champion, and also has won the 2017 Canadian Open men's team. Um, so our first uh, question to you guys is, uh, we hear you're starting up an, the Edmonton Pro League Wednesday nights at Bonnie Dune. Uh, when is it starting and what's it all involved? So uh, as of uh, right now, we're <laughs> starting a trial run. We're running it through April 3rd, 10th, 24th, and 1st. Yeah, so we're running it a trial run just to kind of see what numbers we're going to get, see what people like, see if they're interested. And then next year, I think we're going to start it in October, right? Yeah, either September or October, depending, like, what everybody wants. Like, if they think eight, eight cycles of four weeks would be too long or seven weeks or seven would be better. Yeah. So, uh, from what I understand, it's like a drop-in league. You don't have to participate in all four weeks of the cycle or anything like that. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So, it kind of works. It's drop-in every week, but it works with, like, four-week cycles. So, the first three weeks of a cycle, you'll play four-game qualifiers with a, the top four people making the stepladder at the end of the night. And then you'll play through the stepladder one-game matches, and then the winner from that stepladder will go to a championship stepladder at the fourth week of the cycle. And money would be paid out every week and all that good stuff. Um, you guys were kind of running a survey and stuff like that. Do you have any idea of the numbers you're looking at? or? Um, uh, kind of from the, like, I, I made a couple of events just to kind of see the numbers who would be interested and, it's kind of looking like we're probably going to get about 20. Yeah. It would be 20, 25 maybe. Yeah. I've talked. I can. Th I know 10 people have confirmed they're going to show up for at least a couple of them. And obviously with it being a drop-in league, we don't require it. So right. kind of fly by the seat of our pants. I was thinking probably next couple of days here for ourselves, just saying as people become aware they're going to make it or not to let us know. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, and once word gets out after the first week, I think you'll probably see an uptake in it for sure. Yeah. And another element that I think could help build the numbers for the league is potentially, as it goes on, if we get enough people playing, to live stream the stepladders <laughs> and have maybe like a Lynn Howell or somebody like that commentating on it so people kind of have a background of what's going on and understanding it that way. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I kind of noticed that we do with like the tour, like when we live stream the tour, we don't really have anybody talking for people that don't bowl. They may not really understand what's actually happening. Where if we have somebody, you watch like the PBA, they always have the one guy that breaks down all the techniques, the shots, which would be nice to have in the league, make it something that's a little more presentable to people. Yeah, for sure. I, and that's one thing that the tour kind of struggles with is because the people running the tour also compete on the tour. So to find yeah. time to do a commentation going on, um, it makes it tough. And plus, yeah. there's not a lot of money in it. So it's not like you can pay a commentator to do it. So people got to volunteer for it. And 
stuff like that. And I think with a, a smaller group in a, in a league that you know what's going on, it might be a little bit easier to find somebody to commentate for four games instead of a whole qualifying shift and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Instead of 16 hours a day, we ask for 45 minutes or an hour. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, is there a cost value for you guys got figured out for the Edmonton crews that want to go out and play? Uh, I'm current, my numbers and what I've confirmed with Martin is, uh, we'd be playing, uh, $4 lineage a game and then 40 bucks a week total. So it works out to what? $24 prize money. Yeah. It's 24. Yeah. <clears throat> That's awesome. That's big money anyways. Yeah, and that was kind of like the other thing. And like going back to the podcast from when you guys started, I believe it was with Mike. Uh, you talked about how league for some people gets to be monotonous and boring and you don't see anything out of it. With this league, it's always like if you want to show up, you can show up. And if you play well, you get your money back right away. So there's no waiting and getting lost and not getting into it. So it's yeah. kind of, I think, nice that way and changes the dynamic a little bit. It's nice you can walk in and make enough to pay for the next like two weeks, three weeks if you were to win. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Plus, if you were to win, you go to the monthly stepladder, you're guaranteed even more money. Mm. So. Yeah. yeah. And even like, if I remember correctly, if we have like 30 people playing for the four weeks, in theory, you could walk out with almost $1,000. So. I don't know of another league in Alberta that pays close to that amount of money in a month, let alone over 30 weeks. No, exactly. It, like you said, it, it, you're adding a little bit of stakes to it, but uh, yeah. the, the payoff is so much more than playing mm -hmm. for 30 weeks. And there were some nights, like you play the Wednesday um, league at Bonnie Dune there back in the day. You You would walk away with some decent cash, but... It was 30 weeks of $30 every week. <laughs> you invested a lot of money into it just to get that little bit, little bit back, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even this year, granted, it was only 16s, but I won the last third in the for teams and singles and walked out with 260 bucks. Yeah. And that was for essentially eight weeks of bowling. Or yeah. nine weeks of bowling, I guess. Nine weeks, yeah. So you just got your money back. More or less. It'd be nice to have this for like when cash tournaments come up. Nice way to try to make a little bit of cash before these cash tournaments to, you yeah. know, win an and entry or something. And I was even thinking for like shift work guys like a Derek Gall or an Adam Kemp. Now they can play in a moderately competitive league again and don't have to feel bad about committing to a league they're only going to show up to for like 15 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for people with families too. Like if they got kids playing other sports and they can't make it that day. It gives them the opportunity, or they both bowl. One of them can bowl one week, the other can bowl the next week, or take a week off. Like, yeah, yeah. And you never have to worry about finding a spare. Yeah, yeah. or pre-bowling or any of that, and you don't have to pay for the weeks you don't show up either. No. Yeah, no. I think that's a it's a heck of a thing as long as um, as long as you can fill the ranks throughout the weeks, right? Because your proprietor in the end is the one that's got to get paid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the one nice thing, like the conversations I've had with Martin. He's more enticed by having the elite of the elite bowlers playing in his center than making money off of it, right. which is kind of nice. Obviously, he wants a little bit of his money back, but on a Wednesday night, he knows he's not going to get a lot of other things else as well, I would imagine. Right. No. So that plays into it. 
which is really nice when you have proprietors who are willing to work with you in that way too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. They're, they're, uh, like you said, putting the professional side a little bit ahead of their own needs. Um, yeah. but obviously like they have 48 lanes, they have a whole nother league going on at the same time. Like they're, they're doing well and it's nice that they're giving a little bit back to, uh, especially the people that put the time in to go play there anyways. Right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you guys have any more information on that you want to talk about or thoughts? Uh, not really, unless you guys have any like thoughts about what would be better or if anybody wants to message either E or Evan, Facebook or whatever, and ask questions, we're definitely okay with that. I know there was, when we talked about some people were worried about, say, the same people keep winning every single week. Yeah. Well, we brought in, I'm pretty sure we brought in, we put it in our trial rules that say somebody was to win. Every time somebody wins, they basically say they keep winning. They open up a spot, a wild card spot in the monthly championship to open up more spots to fill. So even if like we can generate or uh, generate like 40 to 50, or that's a little stingy, but like 30 to 40 people on the monthly championship and make a good chunk of change, it's yeah maybe mm-hmm. make up for those weeks if we were low or didn't get many bowlers or... How do you determine what the wild card spot? Uh, so that fourth week would be another four game qualifier, and then just like let's say there's one wild card spot that is always going to be there, it would just be the high qualifier from that night. Yeah, that's fair. So um, let's say you win the first two weeks, Bradley. Would you only take one spot on the on the step ladder? Correct. Yes. And then I guess to explain the seating for the step ladder would be your four game total plus whatever you shot in the championship match of the week you won so if three guys you have three different guys qualify you would take their four games plus whatever they shot in the finals and then the highest total would be one and obviously downwards is it double uh, elimination or is it just top just one just Just, you got to be beat once a a little bit of a timely thing we are starting a little bit earlier than Wednesday nights traditionally would at like 7.15. We're starting at 6.30 now. Oh. But we still want to get out of there at a decent time. And it's a little bit more exciting, especially if we get the streaming going part of it. Uh, you look at the PBA, they only have one life. So you know it's do or die. Yeah. It makes for a little bit better viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, for especially sh- for like a non-bowler. Uh, for streaming, are you looking at streaming on Facebook to like a group that you guys are setting up, or are you looking for uh, a group to come in and stream for you, and they can stream to their own groups? Um, haven't worked out too too much. We're obviously going to see how the trial goes and what the responses are that way. Um, maybe Evan can speak to it because he knows probably more people than I do. But I I have no issues streaming it on like a even if like, you would say like a five pin universe wanted to have a weekly stream or something like that, where yeah. we show this, that would be an option. Or if we're just doing it as our own league, we could do that as well. Yeah. Because like when we play, I like to play a lot of video games and I like to, I watch guys stream all the time on like a YouTube. It might be an option. Just say we're streaming live. Here it is. You guys want to watch, Yeah. you know, like, so even like I like the idea that maybe if it picks up enough, you could get people that are giving you some money to put their ads on the stream. Yeah, you know, sponsor sure. the stream for that week. That would be huge. Well, there there is quite a bit of that going on. Um, if you follow some groups on Facebook, you can see um, professional leagues, mostly like Candlepin. I think there's a Duckpin league, and they stream oh, yeah. every week. 
the yeah. Alley cats. Yeah. Yeah. So there is quite a bit of that going on, and I think it's pretty neat that uh, you guys want to start something like that up and start live streaming. I think there there is there will be some interest, no <laughs> doubt. It just depends how um, how exciting it ends up being and how much people are invested in watching. Yeah. See, I kind of like the aspect of it being at Bonnie Dune and we're getting these top-level shooters to come in. You're going to see some pretty big scores, I think. It's yeah. going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to watch. You can make one mistake and you could lose a match. That's simple as that. Yeah. And I think that idea is exciting to the viewers to come watch. Who wants to? I'd love to watch somebody throw a nine bigger from the gun in a final. Like that would be outrageous. Like, yeah, I, I I would shake their hand already. I mean, I've been <laughs> over. I wouldn't let them throw the perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and that would get you a foul and probably a week suspension. <laughs> oh, really? oh. Uh, see, oh, yeah. there you go. Commissioner oh. Bradley is a hard ass. <laughs> I'm 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 interested because there there's some rules that I've noticed and, and they're good rules. One yeah. is conduct. So. If Bradley's swearing, does Evan kick him out? I don't know. Or does Evan get angry and he tells – I don't know if that works out. Big shot. Well, we have to um, come to an agreement. It is written in the rules. Yes, yeah. there is a rule. It has to be a consensus by the league executives. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you have you have two immunities and the rest is okay. All right. <laughs> Built um, in one poles. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I thought was cool, you had to dress professional, Right. Now, a lot of other leagues out there, they all have their sponsored T-shirts and whatnot. Edmonton and, and a lot of Alberta does not have that. So that is kind of cool when it comes to dressing professional. Not saying advertise shirts, but tour shirts or look, yeah. at least looking good on, on live stream. And that's specifically for the live stream. I, I mean, I remember walking into Regina or Red Deer the first time I played it, and some guy was playing in pajamas, and I thought it was kind of odd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like seeing that on live stream and trying to say we're a professional league would look kind of silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing like I've noticed. I don't know from like playing other sports to coming into bowling. You don't really see a really formal league. It's just show up and close, bowl three games and there used to be call one. her a day, really. Back in the day, there used to be. There used yeah. to be like pre- uh, Presidential Steel and Sherrod Park. They all used to have... Um, they're professional bowling shirts, but I think they had their names on the front of them and everything too. And they were like your traditional button up shirts. It was, it was great. Um, there used to be a master's league where it was just the masters that got to bowl and they had to wear their master's uniforms. Yeah. So it, it used to, it's just kind of gone wayside. And I think it's just kind of the nature of the industry as a whole is that a lot of it has gone to like the more, you know, open play public sort of fun bowling sort of side of things. Um, so the, the, that kind of side of it has disappeared with it, but there's no reason why we can't bring that back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. I like it. All right. Um, so we'll just do some shout outs for high scores. Um, so if people didn't know on Facebook, uh, Brett Wren shot a perfect game at Sherwood Bowl, the pie house. It has now become the new house. pie house. <laughs> Don't see that many perfect games at Bonnie Doom. <laughs> um, also, Josh Coburn had a five-game total of 16.08 last Wednesday. I do believe that was the final night of their league, so uh, congrats to him. Kyle Wolfson 
at a 309 down YBC. They were in Calgary at Paradise Lanes, was it? I think it was Toppler. It was at yeah, Toppler. I believe it was Toppler. Yeah, it looked like yeah. Toppler scored. That's, that's yeah. even more uh, it, impressive. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> she did pretty good too. Yeah. And then uh, Bradley Ticket had a 25-37 at Saturday Masters at Paradise Lanes. Um, high, his high eight. Pretty impressive. Um, I guess we'll just hit on a few notes there. So the Alberta Masters was this weekend, and the team was finalized. Uh, congrats go to a few people on this podcast. Tim is the singles rep for Alberta again. Dexter made the team. Bradley made the team. And then uh, filled out by Adam Weber, Mike LeCousier, and Victor Faubert. Um, pretty strong contingent, and I'd just like to give a shout-out to those guys. Um, I know there's lots of other Masters qualifying over the last few weeks, guys. But since these guys join me every week, I can't let them down. Also, on a side note, it was pretty cool to see a three-way tie for the single spot. Yeah. That was wild. I've seen it a two-way tie less before, cool. but... Has there been a recount? <laughs> Last call. Uh, Masters was amazing this year. Um, I, I've never seen numbers like that for Masters. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I was third high four-game block at like 92-0, which is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the third time that I've lost with a 2,400 in Masters, so thank you for that, Bradley. Welcome, Mark. <laughs> Keep freaks alive. Uh, yeah. Um, let's, let's bring up some stats here. So for, yeah, for the men, we had four people over 9,100. Uh... Adam Weber was ninety one sixty three. Brad was ninety two hundred. I was ninety three twenty three, and Tim was ninety three eighty, and that's where the the three way tie was separated as we all tied for singles points. But Tim beat me by fifty seven, so he becomes the single. Crazy over thirty two games. Um, the top six were determined like eighty eight fifty six was the uh, the sixth spot for the team. Which I think has got to be a record in Alberta. Um, it's yeah. the highest I've ever seen. I I've seen it eighty eight hundred before for the qualifying, but it wasn't much over. I think it was just just over eighty eight hundred. Yeah. I think that was two years ago. Yeah. Um, so pretty crazy. Yeah, um, and we'll just give a shout out to the ladies since. Uh, yeah, I just had that up too. Yeah, uh, Jennifer Baker once again taking down the ladies' title. She'll, she'll be representing Alberta again. Um, it's nice to have her back from Newfoundland. You guys were welcome. We let her, let you have her for uh, a few years. Um, Kelsey Wilton finished second. Bonnie McDonald, third. Shauna LaPerry, Lesnez was fourth. Jennifer Smith was fifth. And Tracy Smith was sixth. Um, just beating Heidi out by, I do believe it was six or seven pins. Um, very, very, very close. Yeah, the the, fi- the, the final ladies uh, tournament for the ladies was insane too because, so here's Tracy Smith. Uh, she shoots 20.96 to come in second for the tournament and beat out Heidi Mapstone by eight points. 
But then there's Jennifer Smith, who shot 2081 to just edge Tracy by seven points there, too. So both had massive last tournaments to uh, to make the uh, make the final spot, and it came right down to the final game. Um, Shauna was kind of in the same boat, too. She shot, you know, she, she was 30 pins under Tracy for the tournament, but she only she only beat Heidi by sixty as well. That last that last game was insane. It was fun watching. Lots of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for all those listeners out there um, contemplating playing Masters and stuff like that, if you have the time and the weekends to do it, it's it's intense all the way through. Um, pretty amazing bowling and uh, nationals. There's none other like it. All right, Evan. So we have a special little list we'd like to ask our guests. Um, so who was your bowling mentor growing up? Well, <laughs> obviously I spent a lot of time working with my dad. And for a while he helped me get there, get all the fundamentals, start to get the mental game down. And then after that, it was honestly, I, I'll probably say like a Matt Schultz. Believe it or not, like I spent a lot of time. I used to ask him all kinds of questions because at the time he was winning pretty much everything. And so I kind of got to grow up around him and definitely taught me a lot, that's for sure. Same as my dad. Alrighty. And your favorite tournament? My favorite tournament is the Heritage, actually. Traditional. I like the bracket style and the way you got to play through the brackets all the way down and I think that's probably the tournament I've had some of my best showings at as well. So yeah, it's definitely a neat format. Kind of combines the autumn open and and the other tournaments all together, right? Yeah, I'm a bit of a hot and cold bowler too. I'll shoot a 350, 200. So instead of like a three game match where that can get me into a lot of trouble, this gives me some grace or leeway yeah. to get myself back into it. For sure. And uh, your toughest match. My toughest match. Um, I bet I can pick. You think you could pick it? Now he's influencing your decision. Well, honestly, I think one of my toughest matches, like, honestly, it's pretty simple, and it was just League, was actually playing Adam Weber. Mm. I remember we were playing a game, and we ended up running out the scores. If we both struck out, I could have shot 395 to his 394. And I ended up missing in on the second ball in 10 to shoot like 360. And he struck out for the 394. And kind of ever since that day, like he's been like my nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> like many others. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's a nemesis for a lot of people. Unless you're Gary Baird, because he says he can't beat Gary Baird. And it's been proven time and time again. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Dexter, what did you think his uh, toughest match was going to be? It had to. It has to. Uh, Victor Fulbert has to be way up there. And the silent head pin. To watch that, <laughs> that pin just go fall straight sideways. That's an unfortunate Ooh. result. I don't know if that qualifies as the toughest match, though. But, I mean, it was so close. That match was so close, right down to the wire. To be honest, I thought I had control of the match until the 8th, ninth, and 10th, I think, when I punched all of, in all of them. Yeah. And, like, to be honest, when he hit that three pin, I wasn't even looking. I was looking at my feet, just, like, yeah. sweating it out, and then I heard everybody go nuts, and I looked up, and I was like, 
oh the pin's over <laughs> yeah oh, uh, victor when he when he threw it he uh, he stepped out a little bit and looked like he even thought he had missed the shot and it enough oil yeah. out on the Sherwood bowl lanes that it uh, held its line i guess yeah yeah that's what we're known for <laughs> <laughs> Um, for the listeners, if they don't know the reference there, um, Evan had lost to Victor in the finals of the TPC in 2016. Twelve. Was that long ago. ago? It was six years ago. I was 16. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very close match. And, uh, yeah, like Evan said, it, it seemed like it was in his hands. And then those dreaded head pins came in the way. Um, Bit of a humbling experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, you bounced back and won the Peace Class Open, so... <laughs> no, that was two years later, but... <laughs> uh, so what's in your arsenal? Um, Right now, I like to carry a 4 and 7 eighths. Yeah, it's a 4 and 7 eighths soft roll. And then a 4... Or a 5 inch 312 soft roll. And then I also carry a 4 and 7 eighths 3 eighths star line. And a four or a five inch, I think it's a three ten because I couldn't get a three twelve in the star line. And I rep both of those kind of just I go off on the deflection or the oil or depending on how it's all playing really, which one I use. Right. So do you find a big difference between the two styles of bowling balls or? Um, I do. Yes. Yeah. Like I find with my speed, even that slightest bit of different deflection makes a huge difference as I could be powering through all the time. So I try to just, I'll jump down to a soft roll just to get a little bit softer, a ball, maybe a little bit more cushion off the pins. I think with the speed I throw, I have to have some sort of change because if I just throw with speed, I just power chop and it's, mm -hmm. that gets me nowhere really. Now you recently added star lines to your repertoire all because of this podcast, didn't you? Yeah, I thought I would try it. <laughs> to be honest, I thought I would try it, see what it was like. Mm -hmm. I hadn't had a new set of bowling balls in a while, so i just curious to see what they would do. And I did see a dramatic jump in my scores. I have been playing mostly that 4 and 7 eights, 3 eights star line, and my scoring's been really good, actually. Yeah. It was probably the best year I've ever had league-wise. Consistent in both, yeah. Yeah, I averaged 270 of both, or just under Wednesdays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I know you're fairly young still, but uh, what's your bucket list? What do you want to win next? Um. Or what do you want to do next? It doesn't even have to necessarily be a win. I don't know. Like I do. For me, I want to win something on the tour. Just it's one of the few things that have eluded me. Like I've got the national gold now, which was something I never had before. And I managed to get that. And I would, like, that would probably be just a tour title right now, just to get the recognition from you guys so you stop teasing me about the Peace Class Open. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was uh, one of the biggest prize money tournaments that we've ever played in, so uh, it's definitely not, nothing to be knocked, yeah. that's for sure. No. Okay, um, so we'll move on to our next topic. Uh, who is your guys's? Uh, Thoughts on the best player without a win on the tour so far? Uh, I guess I can start. I, Me, I'd pick Danny Bear. Guy's uber, uber consistent. He doesn't miss cuts. He always wins matches. He digs out a lot of games, too. So, for me, it'd be Danny Bear. 
I, I'd go as far as to say I wouldn't be surprised if you see him make a deep run in Red Deer this year. He's also got such a good mentality. He, yeah, he's lighthearted. He, you, do, you don't see him get super rattled by anything. Um, and I think going deep into those tournaments, that, that's a big attribute to have. Yeah, and he's confident. He knows he's going to throw the strike at any given moment. So yeah, that's just as big as the next thing and having a good mindset and throwing the ball well even. Mm-hmm. I'll go next. Uh, Stu Ryan. I mean, uh, he he's just probably the most naturally talented athlete in everything he does. You you hear him pick up any sport, and he just demolishes it, and it, it just blows my mind. Here's a guy who has never owned a pair of his own bowling shoes, always uses the rental shoes, and carries around his bowling balls. I don't even know if he has a bowling bag. He literally just carries around the bowling balls. <laughs> he has a bowling bag now, but I do remember him walking around with a grocery bag at one point. Literally, yeah. <laughs> and the guy just goes up. He's like, oh, I'm going to throw the ball like this today. And he does, and he scores outrageous. The guy, the guy is just so naturally talented. Haven't seen him go super deep yet in a cash tournament, but he will. I, I he think. Yeah. I was going to say, he came second at the Autumn Open. Yeah. 2016, yeah. 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 I think Autumn Open it? is... I think the Autumn Open is definitely a tournament that suits his his way of playing, which is just throw lots of big games. So you um, see him win yeah. that one or Red Deer. Yeah, I think, I th- I think you'll, ab- you'll absolutely see him win something soon for sure. I guess I'll jump in. Why not? Yeah. Um, I actually was going to go with a Sam Gillardi. I've been watching him play since he started to come up. It's kind of through the ranks now. He's gotten a little bit older. Just one guy. I like the demeanor, the way he plays on the lane. He's just into it. He's locked in, and he'll go up there, and if he needs strikes, he throws them. There's no really no, no doubt about it. Yeah, he's very intense. Yeah. It's a, it's a Lives good, for that intensity. Yeah, it's a good yeah. attribute to have, that's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, I guess I'll go because Carrie told me he's going last before we started. Um, there's one obvious one, but I'm not going to say it. I'll let Carrie pick that, that one. Uh, but for the ladies out there, I'll probably pick a, a female bowler. I'll pick, uh, I, I think Kelsey Walton, if you're picking a female bowler out there, I think she's probably, who hasn't won a championship, I think she'd be the one. Um, she's better than the two Wiltons for sure. She's way better than Brad. First of all, Brad doesn't come on the podcast, so so I have to say that, but Playing with her this weekend, she has a, a fiery personality and a very competitive drive, right? And I think that uh, she can make the adjustment when she needs to. And uh, I think there's – I think her, she came in second, I think, the year that Alan Hurst uh, won in Calgary. I think he came down to the final game and for the Autumn Open there. So I, I think she has all the capability to do so. Yeah. No, I would definitely agree that she would definitely be my pick uh... – for the ladies. Um, there's a lot of obvious picks I could probably make, but um, my pick is Evan. I, uh, I've i been saying it for years. I expected you to win many times over, so I'm going to keep riding that till it happens. It's not even a dark horse. I'm just, I think you're the next guy. So um, not to toot your horn or pump your tires or whatever you want to call it, but <laughs> you, you, know, you should... Uh, should definitely be at the top at one of these tournaments in no time. 
Thanks, man. The other the other pick I think is would be Michael West if I if I had chosen another one. Michael's always a perennial favorite. You get one. So, I know. You know the rules. You get one pick. I had to throw that out for Mitch Davies because he's his boy. So. I know Tim tried to force me to pick Mike. I love you, Mike, but uh, you were not my pick. But Tim Tim didn't want to do it. No, I don't like you. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll move on to the next one. Uh, rules, foreign substance. It's yeah. such a weird topic, to be honest. Like, what's what's the definition of a foreign substance to them, right? That's what like, my argument was... was when I had it called on me at a nationals. Like, how, like we had gotten uh, water on our sliders on all our shoes. How are we supposed to fix that? The easiest way Just... is chalk. Yeah. So our options were chalk our shoes and take a warning or stick and break all our necks. No. Mm. No, De- Dexter, you're probably looking at the rule book. This is your kind of thing. So if you have the opportunity to bring that out and see what we can do. <laughs> Sure, I would love to read this to you. <laughs> a participant shall not use a foreign substance on his or her hands, fingers, or bowling balls to aid his or her grip when a league or tournament official has r- ruled that said foreign substance is affecting the bowling ability of other participants who have previously lodged a legitimate complaint. So I guess that means... If people aren't complaining, you're not going to get called on it. Really? Okay. Right. Uh, going to start calling people out on it. So for it's fun. a rule when they want it to be a rule, but it doesn't actually exist, is what it's saying. It, it's a rule when it's affecting other people. So I think I think what they're trying to do is like to pre- prevent like you know having stickum on the approaches. The prime example was when we were in Winnipeg in 2014. Carrie can attest. We talk about chalk on your shoe. None of us really care that you put chalk on your shoe, but uh, I remember when Jordan absolutely lathered his heel and his slider up so much he was leaving white footprints everywhere. That is excessive, right? And then all of a sudden, we don't need that chalk on our shoe because we're okay. Now that's affecting us against them. And I understand that's where the rule comes from, I believe. whether Bradley, you know, Bradley, you, you, you were an S2 slider already as it is. I don't see you sticking anymore, but. No, but, but I mean, I, that was you, an odd circumstance. It's not something yeah, I typically sure. deal with. That being said, I did fall on a Wednesday night this year, so. Uh, that that rule that Dexter just read had nothing to do with shoes, though. That was just all hands, right? Yeah, that's what I was. Part A. Part B. A participant shall not use any substance on their shoes. Or on the lane's approach to aid his or, or his or her slide, when a league or tournament official has ruled that a foreign substance is affecting the bowling ability of any or of other participants who have previously lodged a legitimate complaint, and I want to say that is affecting the bowling ability of other participants is bolded. It is the that is the key thing that they're saying okay. there. Yeah. But so now then my other argument with said. this would be that they called this before our game started. Like, we noticed it. We took it to practice slide. We were all sticking. We all chalked our shoe. And before we had thrown a ball to start the game, the other team had called us on it. What right. team? Oh, they can, lo- they can lodge the complaint, but that the judge of play then has to decide if it is affecting the other players, not just because they lodged the complaint. Right. Yeah. That would be my... Yeah, maybe it's one of those ones where people just assume it was a rule and threw it at us because 
Yeah. I believe there's a meme about people not liking Alberta at Nationals this week, but... <laughs> uh, so is water considered a is. foreign substance? That's what I was saying beforehand, too. Because people use cloths all the time, and that's water, that's a foreign substance that can For get sure on my is. bowling ball. Yeah, I guess as long as, as long as it's not affecting your bowling, it's perfectly fine, right? But what's, yeah. who's to say what's actually affecting my bowling at you, that point? But if I'm lo- playing bad and they're yeah. playing really well, and I'm just looking for an excuse to get out of it. Yeah. yeah. yeah or but... even, like, let's say somebody's sticking and they want to put something, like, approach conditioner on the approach. I'm sliding fine, but they're sticking. It's going to affect me. I, but... I don't think it. the player you, you... can't do that, but the, the proprietor definitely right. can. Right, yes. Exactly. That I mean, cl- this is definitely... Um, pointed towards uh, a bowler not not uh not the facility so if somebody is from the facility does it i don't know if there's anything you could do about it no okay. here sir here's my problem with approach cleaner okay i have a huge problem because for anybody that's worked in a bowling center before or been around a bowling center or played in, in a league all of a sudden you come up and game halfway through game two they come up and said the approach is is sticky okay so why is that any different when you threw practice or beforehand i absolutely do not understand that how the lane turns into sticky unless you have something on your shoe right uh i don't know i have a hard time with it i have a hard time when people make sure you know, one bowler on a set of maybe eight comes up and says the lane's you know sticky and they bring out the approach cleaner and all of a sudden it's it's fast for everybody one bowler doesn't make up the decision i think right you know yeah, hopefully the judge will play and i guess my thought is at least it's consistent for everybody i i i i just think sometimes it's just the bowler and the equipment they use right i mean i i, I think you have to they don't work around it i think sometimes see and that's They're, where i would prefer that somebody walks over and they puts a little bit of powder on their shoe if that's yeah, a, if that's I, a problem I, I would prefer that over them using the approach cleaner. Yes. And I, I'm of that mindset. I'd rather see people do that because I am so aggressive and don't try and slide a lot with my S2 and a brake heel. So I'd rather see that than people throw out a bunch of approach cleaner. I, w- I would rather know about the condition than somebody powdering their shoe, sliding in my path, and me not knowing they powdered their shoe, and then I hurt myself. I'm sorry. I want to know what's going on than just somebody powdering their shoe because prime example thursday night the one night mm-hmm. dexter who was that that absolutely littered their bowling <laughs> shoes with powder and left it wasn't the bowling shoes he he didn't he didn't litter the bowling shoe he he littered the top of the step yeah so as you're walking up the steps to get to up to the table it was a sea of powder yeah so i be discreet and be respectful of other people. Go do it off in the corner, put it on something, rub your shoe in it, put it away so that other people are walking in it. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, as for the rule, I, I agree with the rule to a point. If somebody's excessively doing it and it's affecting the other bowlers, yes, it should definitely be called. But if it's not affecting anybody else, if it's a little bit of chalk on your, on your heel to slide out, as long as you're not leaving residue on the lane, mm-hmm. I don't see a problem with it. So, I, I mean, th- this this to me says that, you know, you should be able to use stick them, again, as long, as long as you're not leaving it on the lane. If you're using stick them and still dropping them in the middle of your backswing, 
and you're leaving this stuff on the approaches, that's a problem <laughs> for sure. I... But if it legitimately helps your grip and you're actually getting it over the foul line, it really shouldn't be an issue. The other thing is, too, if this was based off foreign substances like that, then well, then why do they allow proprietors to sell those items? Right? If, because, if it isn't because they are allowed. The rules are saying it shouldn't affect the other right. players. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So because if if you just say, oh, you stick them on your hand, that's going to be, you know, that's against the rules. Well, no, there is a reason and there's a... There's all that kind of stuff with it. Yeah, so the easy slide is acceptable. Bras and bags are acceptable. All that stuff is acceptable as long as you're not affecting anybody else. All I'm going to say is if you're using either of those things, know which ones you're using because I've seen people use bras and bags instead of easy slide, and it does not work out well for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> At what point do you best? start blaming the bowlers for the sticking instead of always blaming the approaches? Absolutely. I'm one bowler who can attest to the fact that I don't really ever stick. If I've fallen before, and that's from my own accord, from myself doing being too high on my toe or too harsh on my heel, I just don't understand at what point do you start blaming the bowlers. Like When, when do they start taking their own onus for it, too? Yeah. Evan, did you have any problems in Regina at all with your approaches? I no. I didn't know. I personally like them heavier though, so <laughs> Yeah, I hear it. You know, I actually there was uh this year from a local proprietor and it's not from Bonnie Duner from us. I saw his magic cloth. So he went out there in one of the lanes and he said, Watch this. So he went out there, somebody's saying, Oh, it's it's heavy, it's so super heavy. He took a cloth, it had nothing on it, and he wiped wiped the lane down and the lady's like, Oh my god, it's way better. <laughs> it's so much better. He's like, oh, that magic cloth does it every time. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of the point. Like, at what point do you start yeah. just blaming the bowlers instead of always coming up with these excuses? Absolutely, I agree with you. And, and you know what? We we all have. I mean, at the higher end of the game, majority as a majority of us have the replaceable sliders and heels for a reason. No. Adjust, yeah. adjust to it if you need to. It's when it's when you hit something that's you know, inconsistent is when it's a problem. Yeah. I just don't like even understand is... what makes it inconsistent. Like, why do you even need to put the chalk on? Like, what's what's on the lane that's really making it inconsistent? So so that, it, it does happen. What happens, the reason why it becomes inconsistent is things like uh, relative maintenance. You know, somebody is dragging the lanes to clean them. They drag it three feet past the foul line. So now all of a sudden, all that oil is on the approach. Somebody says, hey, this spot is sticky. So now the person comes out and takes their approach cleaner and scrubs off that spot. Now that spot is super slick, but if you slide three inches left, you're hammering it. Right? Yeah, that's, we had that that's issue at that the Open just... last year, too. Playing yeah. in Medicine Hat. One of the sets were really bad for that. Half the lane was really, really fast, and the other half was heavy. Yeah, that was one yeah. or two. But how can I... acrylic be different, too? It, it's, okay. could, it could be a bunch of different stuff. People drag their toe it leaves a little bit of rubber out on on the lane, right? Like, okay. Yeah. I, I I find you know, on, on, with us we have a lot of special needs, and we like to oil the days probably after a lot of them. Uh, so we oil on Thursdays. Uh, we, we don't get a heavy traffic of them, and they're terrible with depending on their on their staff on the, keeping the ramps behind the foul line, or sometimes they take the ramp and just drag it off, and it's on the approach, and you're just cringing. 
you freshly oiled it, you know, you don't want to keep on doing it, but it's sort that can be make a diff- difference okay. too, I think. Yeah. On a Saturday, how many kids cross the foul line? <laughs> yep. <laughs> as much as- uh, yeah. On wood lanes, how, how much the, the 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 lanes are worn in the middle as opposed to the outsides? If you still have more of that water-based coating on it, you know, the humidity in that building will make that a little bit sticky too. So you might find the outsides might be a little bit stickier. Or, or you find that, you know, throughout a weekend, you know, people aren't sliding on the outsides. Or throughout a day, people aren't sliding on the outsides. Well, the dust builds up there, and it's slicker on the outside. So the little things. Okay. Little th- yeah. But anyways, we're we're all professionals enough on this podcast to figure, figure it out, out to make our adjustment and not complain about it. Proprietor, fix your. So boats. what I'm here is it's all game for thirty board adjustments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, always. Well, there's only a few of us that make that adjustment, right, Tim? <laughs> he maybe he's moved thirty boards collectively in his life. I didn't even know Tim moved. I do move. <laughs> I, I made adjustment on Saturday. Made adjustment on Saturday. Shot off. Started off with like a four twenty double. Shot twenty two and a half. What was, so your, what was adjustment? your adjustment? Uh, I moved uh, seven boards to the left, through down the middle. Podcast is working, man. Stepped so you... up my game. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. Better, better it's watch out, guys. Better watch out, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so Bradley, now is your turn. Bowling mentor. Um, I'd have a hard time picking just one person for myself. I've always kind of put myself as the perennial bowling nerd, and I'm always watching different people and picking different things. Like, in the last little bit, I've looked a lot to Dexter and how he's adjusting to lane adjustments even, not to pump his tires, as this podcast likes to coin it. But he he's one of the quickest ones to make the adjustment and make the right adjustment, usually. Or going back and talking to some of the older guys who've played the game, like at Dwight Anderson, and his mindset going into tournaments when he knows he's been struggling. So those kind of ideas, to me, make it hard to pick one person. Like Somebody like my sister, who's coached me on the physical side of the game, Yes, is a bowling mentor. Lynn Howe, who's talked to me about learning how to be competitive, is a bowling mentor. So, there'd so be you're that saying argument. you have more than one. Who are they? Yes, <laughs> very much so. I could probably list like 34 people off the top of my head. Perfect, and that's probably why you're winning a lot of this stuff. Uh, so, your favorite tournament? Um, obviously, the Autumn Open's got a special place to me. Being... The first one I won for the tour was a lot of fun, uh, especially being 17 and not really having a clue what was going on around me. That was a little bit of a blur of a weekend. That was a lot of fun. And master singles at the stepladder last year, playing against Jeff Bourne in the gold medal match, was probably the most fun I've had bowling in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, so then that leads me into the second question, or a third question. What was your toughest match? Definitely Jeff Warren at Masters Nationals. <laughs> I that again, like the whole story there. Like I went into the first match I played Matthew Harms out of BC, and every time I bowled him, he shot at least two ninety at me. I was like, and we we're playing Superior that day, so it was a scoreable house. I told myself if you don't shoot six hundred for two, you don't have a chance. I walked up and shot I think six ninety seven or something like that, and won both. 
So that was okay. Had the break, watched Christine play. Went to my, well, my match against Jeff Bourne and opened up with a 370. So at that moment, I felt like I couldn't stop striking and was going to finish it off. And then, you know, forgot to focus for a game and shot a buck 60. And then the last, the third game, we went back and forth and back and forth. It was like double punch, spare punch, double punch. And then I went up in 9 and 10 with a chance to shut him out and force the second match a 3. And buried the second ball in 10 to shut him out and got absolutely roasted. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, no. <laughs> no, Bradley, speak. Speaking about master singles, I've been well. You had a better chance, Kevin, with me, pretty good. But um, when we're talking about the gold medal match, winning your first one and then you had that break. I know we play yeah. a lot of matches over a tour, but that sometimes it's different when you're you're going from like maybe taking a break on the 16s and then playing the eights, right? Yeah. It's a little bit different that way than waiting to watch your gold medal match, right? Yeah, it was it was odd, and like for myself, I was really really hot that day which is something i usually mm-hmm. don't have to deal with when i'm bowling so i was actually i finished my match against matthew harms and kicked my shoes off and went and rocked around the bowling alley like four times to try and cool off and then went back in and started cheering on christine mm-hmm. so the, har- the I, hardest hardest different. part is staying in the moment right trying to stay yeah, in the moment when you're that, playing hot yeah and that was definitely the issue of the second game against jeff Bourne. i was thinking about everything but throwing the ball in my hand yeah and you know honestly the one other thing is when we we, we talk about best like uh, we don't talk about best of three we talk about all pinfall game, three game matches yeah so when you're playing the master singles it's a totally different mindset really it's different because you're not you, it doesn't matter what you do in game one you still have to get win game two or win game three if you win well, the first even one, in right? that situation i was like eight i had jeff by far by pinfall because I shot the 370 the first game right? and he only beat me by I think 60 the second game and lost by 5 in the last game so pinfall wise I would have won right. but knowing that okay this doesn't matter anymore go back and start from square one was a little bit intimidating totally, totally different mindset when you're up that much you can usually not say let your foot off the gas but you, you can have a little bit more relaxing in his play right? And yeah, especially yeah. like I've heard a lot of stories with Jeff Bourne and what he's done kind of plays into it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It's a it's different playing. Uh, so you could call him a legend in the game, right? So yeah. Well, and I mean for him, that was the only. <laughs> yeah, and that's the only thing he hadn't won at that time was a master single. So you couldn't tell me that wasn't burning a fuel inside of him. Yeah. Yeah, mm. for sure. Dex or uh, Tim brings up the whole. The tours doesn't have that setup. It's really too bad that we had two alike tournaments that didn't switch their format that we could have that feature. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what's in your arsenal, Bradley? Uh, for shoes, I actually just converted a pair of street shoes. Adidas Comfort, comfiest things. I bowled the 16 games for Masters on the weekend and my legs didn't hurt at all, which was a nice change. Uh, and then for bowling balls... I have a set of four and seven, eight, three, eight hard rolls. I actually bought off of Evan. And then a week <laughs> later, he stole Tim's at a master's tournament. Was, yeah. 
Uh, and then a set of 4 and 15, 16, 310 soft rolls. And then two gif- different generations of scorpions. I've got one that looks more like a comet. That's uh, 4 and 7, 8, 3, 8. And then one of the marbleized scorpions they made, uh, which is 4 and 3 quarter, 3, 8. And uh, so now your bucket list. What's next? Uh, I want to make an open nationals, obviously. I don't have one of those, so obviously I want that. But it'd be hard to peg one thing. I want to be... Obviously, everybody wants to be the guy that wins everything, but that's definitely on my list of things. I want like a master singles title, open singles title, team golds, winning all the cash tournaments kind of thing. Yeah. I was allowed to pick more than one. Well, his 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 bucket needs to be filled a little bit more than yours, apparently. <laughs> I just not as discriminative. I just like to win things. I don't have to be picky about what I what specifically. Just I like to win. No, better better mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's got that's a work in progress. <laughs> Great meow. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> All right, so now we'll bring up the five-pin bowling meme of the week. And uh, we've all talked about it, discussed it, and we have decided that the Gino Zbarth meme by annoyed five-pin bowling guy, if you haven't seen it, get to his Facebook page and take a look at it. Uh, it is absolutely hilarious, and it represents exactly what Gino does on a seven-bagger. To a T. Seven bagger. <laughs> well, four bagger. Okay, first, first of all, it, it was probably two in a row. And, and three in a row, uh, second of all, there is absolutely no way that Gino will ever admit to throwing seven strikes in a row. <laughs> he would have had a double and then an absolutely buried chop off. Unbelievable. No, unless, he's talking about his, unless he's talking about his 26 in a row. Uh, yeah, then... You, even then, you got to twist the arm a little bit to get that one out. Uh, yeah. He got a kickback at me last Wednesday too. That was kind of sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll never you'll never hear about that one. No. Nope. <laughs> so we just like to congratulate annoyed five pin bowling guy. Congratulations, uh, just uh, pin chaser and uh, five pin bowling memes. You guys got to pick it up, gotta step up. I haven't heard anything from Pin Chaser in a while. It's been kind of quiet. He's laying low. He's probably souping up a really good one. All right. Uh, just like the... season, the pit back of the bowling alley got flooded again, and he got lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, for coming out on the podcast, and uh, good luck in the future with the Cash League, and uh, hopefully I'll see you on the lanes during that. So. Right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.